Hi, I'm the bubble of evil that's just your mom's fat ass, Dalen. And I'm one of your new Aes Sedai making their debut in this book, Eric. And welcome to Loyal's Book Club, a podcast dedicated to dissecting and discussing Robert Jordan's epic fantasy series, The Wheel of Time. Normally, we would take you behind the bar, show you what's up, but that's kind of a chill night. Um, I have some free wine, free Chardonnay, courtesy of my roommates. But I, I, uh, I had a I had a small idea for this bit because uh, normally Dale and I record together physically together. Uh, but I am currently dog sitting the sweetest dog in the world, little Bowie. old English bulldog named Bowie. Uh, so you know, and I, I, I I've had a a grapefruit spindrift uh, today, but I was thinking uh, maybe we could take a couple minutes and talk about snacks. For your book club. Yes. Cool. Because uh, we talk a lot about drinking, obviously. And, uh, you know, that that is what we are here to do sometimes more than discuss books and whatnot. I mean, it, it's it's the quintessential book club approach. But um, you shouldn't drink on an empty stomach. Unless, it, it, in, unless you know, you're, you're purposefully doing that. It, it can kind of sometimes lead to a rookie mistake and getting too drunk too fast. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking free form on this one. I don't really have any, don't have any histories, don't have any plans about this, but I just kind of want to talk about snack foods. Like what yeah. snacks are appropriate for a book club? Uh, how, how do you feel about that? I think if you are in a pinch, if you are um, kind of like scrambling it, the book club's at 7.30, it's 7 o'clock and you're at Vaughn's. I honestly think carbs do... Um, because the most important thing, in addition to time between drinks and making sure everyone goes home, able to drive and not super fucked up the next day, uh, you want to make sure you have carbs, I think, are the most important. If you can't, if you uh, just grab pretzels, I think, and as many pretzels, chips as you possibly can get, um, tortilla chips, salsa. Hell yeah, make a, make a salsa bar spread. Yeah. Or if you want to be fancy, honestly, greasy Domino's pizza. Oh, yeah. Order a pizza. Uh, it's quick. It's efficient. I don't know anybody that doesn't like pizza of some yeah. kind. Oh, Absolute yeah. crap pleaser. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, you learn as you get older. You, If you are going to have a couple cocktails, try to have like, I always go, if I'm having like, a thing with friends or I know I'm going to be drinking a lot more. I try to have a really heavy meal a couple hours beforehand, you know, like pregame your carbs before the book club. So you don't look like the fool at your own hosted event, which I did in the episode with Gus and Allie. I was editing that episode. (laughs) Oh, the whole time I'm like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm excited. I'm excited to listen to that one again. There's just too much of a discussion of Shit's Creek, <laughs> of my disdain for Shit's Creek. My, it's good to have opinions. Yeah, my Eric Dane disdains. <laughs> Sorry, but it, yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I. Oh yeah, go on. Say. What is your go-to? Uh, if you if you're going out somewhere, do you have a go-to like if like. We're like, if you're going out with some friends, do you have mm-hmm. a go-to snack you go to to pregame it or during? Honestly, like nothing for me. Like I, I think it's all about like you know do what works for you for sure. Yeah. And for me, nothing works better than a f- 
fucking PB&J. Just really? a just a classic PB and J. It's easy to eat. It doesn't like you know. It, it it's it's a perfect snack because it gives you a little something, but you can still eat when you go out. If you go, you know, make that a, a book club and there's snacks there, or like yeah. a bar and there's some appetizers. Uh, it's perfect for me. Uh, for a book club, if I was hosting right. a book club and I had people coming over, if I had time, because I think I'm going to take this the other direction, because I think I think you did a brilliant job with the you're in a pinch, you got to figure out something to make well. That's my hair <laughs> Fucking skater boy. Uh, oh, I know. I think I would go with a charcuterie board. Oh, you can never go wrong with charcuterie. Mm-hmm, like a little charcuterie in there. Uh, you know, who doesn't love like some meats and cheeses, a couple of fruits, maybe, maybe some bread pieces or crackers. I think it's like got a perfect little, it's got, it's, it feels like a charcuterie board is its own self-contained food pyramid, the the, the snack pyramid, if you will. I feel like there's such an air to a charcuterie board. It, like, I feel like you tell friends, oh, I'm having pizza. Like, great. I'm having, I'm making a charcuterie board. Ooh. <laughs> there's something about the word charcuterie is that even in, is that an english word is that is that a different language word sounds french it sounds french and i wouldn't be surprised either way <laughs> and i do feel like it's one of those things that's almost like kind of come in vogue like the last couple of years with our generation yeah. of like of like we're so excited to be grown-ups that we love doing our charcuterie board now. I also feel like, weirdly, post-college brunch is a thing. Oh, yeah, 100%. I feel like you never, like, in college, I don't, I never did, like, a brunch, but I feel like after college, it was like, oh, we're going to do brunch, mimosas, all that. I think that and charcuterie boards are, like, a level unlock, a secret area you unlock as a boy. No, they absolutely are. And I don't think I ever did like a proper brunch until I was um, post-college age because I didn't actually technically go to college. <laughs> well, I went to college. You've never done a proper brunch. I'm like, Eric, how have you how have oh, been for five years and you've never done a brunch with me? Oh, I've done, I've done a proper brunch. That, that brunch, I, I still remember going, yeah, that was a proper brunch. Um but yeah, I think my go-to would probably, yeah, I think charcuterie board or even like, um, you know, like I think kind of in the way that you were thinking, like a real easy, cheesy pull-apart bread, like a French loaf, mm-hmm. um, something like that, or like even like done up like little personal bites or stuff. Um, so I'm also expecting uh, when I, when, when we meet next week in person, <laughs> I'm pull-apart French bread. But so I think... Also, what's important is if you are crafting your own menu for the book club, like, because sometimes a book club, you'll probably probably be more free form with the drinks, like just get whatever. You kind of want to get something that pairs well, if that makes sense. You mm-hmm. know, I know, like, I feel like a lot of the time a charcuterie board always pairs well with a nice bread pizza i feel like because of the red sauce and the pepperoni depending on what's on there a nice bread you just kind of want to think i don't know because sometimes like beer and pizza mix as well but you don't want to have like a margarita and cheesy bread i don't know yeah i think it definitely depends what you're going for like i think especially like 
when you're when you're talking like book club, I feel like wine is just such the like quintessential like classic yeah. drink that and like wine does feel like it goes with almost anything right. and is the safest bet. But yeah, I think like a little bit of mindfulness, a little forward thinking of like not just grabbing a six pack and a frozen pizza, but you know, maybe even tying it into a theme of like your group of chapters that you're covering or something, yeah. um, you know, go the Bob's burgers way and, and, and slap a pun on it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think honestly, theming out your book club is the way to go. I think we should theme our, uh, Lord of the Rings episode. Ooh. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. We we should definitely uh, pick some pick some drinks in theme for that. Yes. Maybe try All to right. make some like lumba spread or something. Or like, oh, that'd be fun. Recipe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think snackage is your most important. You want if you're hosting, you want people to be content because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than being somewhere where there's only alcohol, and you're kind of like okay. I can't drink that much, but I'll probably just have to grab something on the way home. You know, you never yeah. have, to have your guests pull over to a McDonald's unless it's that residual, like, mm, I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> Let me just get some fries. If, if that's what they decide to do after the fact, that's on them. But you want to make sure you cover your bases ahead of time. Exactly. Um, also, like, I guess this would be a good asterisk point to say, uh, I make sure you have non-alcoholic options, too. Yes, Odules, Waters, Cokes, Sprites. Yeah, this is yeah. All, I mean, we all talked We talked about this in our first Behind the Bar episode. I think there are some uh, just think basics you should have as drinks, non-alcoholic drinks, but also like uh, Costco sells like those big things of cheesy balls, uh, mm-hmm. kind of that big thing of pretzels, you know. You've got to have just essential, bare, basic things things like chips, dip, things like that. Just so if you have guests over, you can cut. If you have your uh, book club, you have yeah. something, you know? Something that's a crowd food. So chips and salsa and like a queso dip, you can't go down. Yeah, and obviously we are talking about this from the perspective of a couple of uh a couple of a couple of guys in their late twenties. So perhaps you are a little bit older, a little bit more seasoned, and you're listening to us going like "fucking duh, guys." I've been I've been doing this for a while now. Uh, in which case, this is not directed towards you. This is more towards our uh, other twenty year olds that are just getting into hosting and whatnot. <laughs> so yeah, snackage important. Offer it. Get it. I just had an idea for the Elden Ring. Uh, do you want to do a drink, a red drink? I'll do a blue drink for the FP and the HP. Oh, that's fun. Hell yeah. I'm into that. Okay, cool. But yes, this is mostly geared towards those who are in the beginning years of their... Uh, this is like your post-college stuff. Yeah. Like, this is when you're like... Our, our target audience, I feel like, before we actually cover the chapters, are like fresh out of college kids who are living on their own for the first time. And we are just blowing their minds. Like we're not talking to the professional bartenders. We're not talking to, you know, the husbands and wives that actually do book clubs on the monthly yes. or the weekly. Uh, we're, I'm, 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 re- I'm really hoping that like, I'm just blowing some 22 year olds mind right now. <laughs> I think according to our podcast page, our demographic is thirties to forties, but Hey, maybe I'll there take are people it. who have post COVID or not, well, not post COVID, but like, 
in the the sweet sweet spot between uh, spikes. Are... <laughs> well, and hey, you know what? Not to be ageist, because if if there's somebody in their 30s or their 40s that are listening to this and they're learning some new stuff, I'm equally as pumped. Exactly. You uh, I just apologize to anyone who's listening to us that's like rolling their eyes and just like fucking duh. <laughs> yeah. Um, you are free to roll your eyes at us, and also if you're learning something new, if you came to this podcast expecting just the old time. Goodbye. They, you know, if they're rolling their eyes, they're still giving us the listen. We're still getting those numbers. I am, you, you can't rain on this parade. Exactly. Uh, with that, I think that's everything I've got on snacks. Are you ready to move on to the chapters? Yeah, I think I'm ready to move on to the chapters too. Great, because I have feelings. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we're going to go a little nonlinear on this, kind of just like pick and choose what to sort of discuss, but kind of. What are your emotions? Let's talk. What's at the top of your head? So, I think, like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak more general until we like kind of tangentially find our ways in the specifics and stuff. But I think this is, this is the book that's doing it for me. This is the book that is actually, you know, laying a lot of these threads. And there's a lot of them, but they're not. They don't feel superfluous. They don't feel out of place or anything. Right. Um, this this is the book where like the series is actually coming together for me a little bit. Like each yeah. book had some cool stuff going on. This book is using like the whole buffalo at this point. Yes, mm-hmm. I think the pieces are in place, and now we're seeing the game being played. Exactly, and um, you know, I definitely knew we were going to get into it, but I didn't realize there was going to be like this much political intrigue and such. Yeah, <laughs> Saladar arc in these chapters is really interesting because the Saladar sisters aren't giving in to Elida, but at the same time they're kind of still bowing a little bit, especially with um, the red sister that is there. Um, let me find her name real quick. Uh, Tarna. Mm-hmm. No, um, a lot of um, the Saladar I said I playing the politics politics game and not playing it well as pointed out by Night Abe in the last chapter. Yeah. And I feel like and that's a funny point too because like I feel like the characters in this book are getting not even like not even like defined or redefined but they're, they're just becoming so much more dynamic and stuff like They're evolving. Yeah like Night Abe is like you know I, I, I've never been like the biggest fan of her I'll, I'll admit it but I'm coming yeah. around on her a lot and I think she's all these characters are just learning and growing, especially like our younger cast and crew. I, I really, really like what's going on there. Absolute best. Yes. Yeah. Like all of her struggles with Theodrin and breaking her block and all of that. Well, I love how Theodrin's like, yeah, there's a sister, Galena, who, uh, Galena Casba, who we met in the prologue, who's with Gawain and all them. So yeah, she beat me until my block broke. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> like, there had to have been better methods. I mean, Nynaeve in this uh, series of chapters is great. I mean, um, yeah, her whole struggle with breaking her block and mm-hmm. all that. Is just- and again, I, you know, I think I called it. I think I, I think I, I think it had to have happened. So I don't think I, it was necessarily a brilliant prediction on my end. But again, the immediacy that Robert Jordan writes with of like, Oh yeah, she's probably going to break her block. This book, it might be a third act, yeah. 
finale type or something. No, right now. <laughs> we're we're going to take care of that right now. Oh, no, no, no. Her block's still there. Or, well, no, no, her, her finding, like, a teacher to help her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I, mis, I misspoke. Like, well, I was going to say, I'm like, wait, no, no, no. No, her, her struggle, and, and, and that's actually a point I want to talk about right now. Her, her struggle with this, I think, is so fucking interesting for this character. Because, again, you have a woman who was, like, the wisdom of the village, you know. Right. Um, she's kind of, like, in an authoritative position. She's, you know, the like, one of the leader of the villages. And then she has, like, this journey of starting from the bottom. Um, yeah. And kind of with that expectation. Yeah, and I think my expectation was flipped because I kind of expected a Gwen to be in the position Nynaeve is in, not not Nynaeve herself. Uh, and so, sorry, before I misspoke, um, her finding a person who like has firsthand knowledge, and that it's yeah. not it's not her it's not her journey to go alone anymore. And not only that, I think this isn't a prediction per se, but it's what my heart is feeling her breaking the block is going to like unlock something very important in these books. I don't know what it is, but it's, okay. it's something. Yeah. But we get a lot with the Eldar Aes Sedai. We get that they picked their, uh, Omerlin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Nynaeve's, uh, eavesdropping, she overhears that they are trying to get her, um, the Omerlin. Um, where is it? Oh, okay. Okay. As long as we must, that from, uh, Balin. I have not waited this long for the biddable child just to abandon all our plans now. For some reason, that produced a silence, although Nynaeve did hear someone murmur biddable again as if examining the word. What child? A novice or accepted? It made no sense. Sisters never waited on novices or accepted. We've gone too far to turn back, Carliana, Shiriam said. Either we bring her here and make sure she does as she should... Or we leave everything to the hall and hope they do not lead us all to disaster. Um, so, because your prediction is for... Who's your prediction for the Saladar Sedai? Or Omerlin? Um, I think Avi... No. You were Avienda and Nynaeve, right? I think... I don't remember. Shoot, do we have that down somewhere? I think we have it in the Gus and Alley episode. Okay, because I think... What I'm, or wait, let me pull up the Discord. I think uh, Eric's back pocket. Oh, I haven't updated this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fires of heaven for <laughs> Oops. I don't remember what I said there, but because uh, who do we have for the Omerlin on the other side? We've got uh, got Elida, right? No. Yes. Yes. Uh, Elida. Elida's uh, the omelette for the White Tower. Good. Going to need some help with the names. <laughs> um, Alviarin is her mistress of novice. Okay. Um, on the Saladar side, um, there's just the Hall of the Tower, which is uh, Carlinia, Shiram, 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 uh, Morel, Carlinia. Bayonin and someone else. Okay. I think, I don't know, I don't remember if I made a prediction in a couple episodes ago. I Obviously, it hasn't stuck, and maybe that's because uh, my mind is starting to... It changes, I think. It goes into what if, and I've, I've actually got this thought. What okay. if, what if Egwene becomes the Omerlin of one side and Nynaeve becomes the Omerlin of the other side? 
And so there's like competing Omerlins between Nynaeve and Egwene. Um, I don't like it so much in the fact that it's like, you know, pitting woman against woman. I don't know if that's too cliche or if we're all done yeah. with that. I do think it's interesting for their dynamic, though, of, you know, Egwene absolutely superseding her um, and stepping out of that, like, apprentice dynamic that they've right. kind of had. Because that di- dynamic between them has never been fully resolved. No, they're, they're still, they're, it's still a little fictitious, I think. <laughs> I will remind you of, I believe, someone, men, I believe, or someone had the vision of Elaine and Nynaeve bowing amongst other women to Egwene. Mm, so, true. Not to debunk that theory. No, However, it's it good to have that. Because it could still be early on and before someone does something, you know? Yeah, I can definitely, I think especially with that, that reminder of Min's doing, I think I could put all my chips on, uh, it's going to be a Gwen. I think too, because she's she's been getting a little bit of notice around and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Let me check something real quick. Let me see how much, oh, we have, okay. Um... Speaking of Egwene, we need to fucking talk about um, her and Gowan. <laughs> that um, dream? <laughs> what the actual fuck was that? Like, I just could not imagine her being pulled into Gowan's dreams. A dude she talked to a couple of times, and he, like, saves her from Rand, and, like, I think they actually fucked. Like it's in, it's fade to black, but I think it's heavily implied that he bones her. But it's like there he like dream, has sex with Dream Egwene, right? And she watches. It's the weirdest shit that I've ever experienced. I'm also just like, Lee Gowan. I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of into it because of how messy it is. Because up oh, it in, is so messy. <laughs> up it's like that, it's like that girl who goes, he's so cool. He's a SoundCloud rapper that works at the gas station. <laughs> I, I like it because up until this point, like we've had some pretty natural pairings of like the good people. Like we've had Perrin and Fail, you know, we've had uh, Rand and Avienda and stuff. And this is like kind of the first one besides like possibly like Land and Nynaeve, although they're both like very much on the good Don't side. compared them to Land and Nynaeve. But that's what I'm saying is like, we, we've had like time after time, like just such a natural, like, yeah, obviously that's a quote unquote good pairing. This is like so messy in an organic way that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of into it. Okay. You're here for the drama. I am because I just, I think like, especially I just think it's interesting where like Egwene was like set up to like marry Rand in this small village and they're growing further and further apart. Right. Uh, and so like, I just, I, I like the idea of that background being like contrasted with like what that represents now and how like that's all against Rand and how I think it, I, I you know, I think it might be a little too early, but again, Things happen much faster than I predict them to. Yeah. The ship is going to have to turn towards messy pretty soon. We're not just going to have one side versus the other side. We're going to have a fucking entanglement of, of factions, I think. Right. And I think this might be like the start of one of those, maybe. Okay. I hope it is um, at least. 
so I need to talk to you also. So, Nicola and, um, oh God, the other woman that came with her to, uh, that we ended Fires of Heaven with, um, Nicola, I don't trust her. Mm-hmm. She was picked up by Phelan at the end of, no, at the beginning of this book to start testing for Aes and all of a sudden she's acting like she is bigger than her britches, she is better than Egwene and, uh, Elaine and Nynaeve, but she has a foretelling when the bubble of evil comes up, and I want to ask you about that. Yeah, all right. please do. The lion's sword, the dedicated spear, she who sees beyond, three on the boat, and he who is dead yet lives. The great battle done, but the world not done with battle. The land divided by the return, and the guardians balance the servants. The future teeters on the edge of a blade. So let's break this down, because, like, where we are is, because at the end of this chapter, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's from that's from Nicola and in, uh, in Saladar, right? Yes. Yeah, during the. Uh... Um, bubble of evil nonsense <laughs> yes when they're linking together right um all right so let's go and kind of go this uh sentence line by line yeah all right the lion's sword the dedicated spear she who sees beyond mm-hmm. obviously these represent people do you have a sort of guess absolutely so uh believe like lying that that's all uh is that uh andor is that correct uh yeah that's andor so i think the lion sword i think that's uh that's uh gowan or okay. galad you know maybe one of those two kind of representing yeah. representing you know the, the spawn of more gays um yeah. dedicated spear i mean that's got to be one of our ideal women uh mm-hmm. and i would i would go ahead and put money on avienda because she's right, kind of our, mm-hmm, kind of our front running player. Um, and then she who sees beyond. Yeah. So this one, like, I feel actually, uh, I had two choices for this one, but I think one kind of informs this. I think this is about Min, because I think this is because I think like seeing beyond that could either be dreams, that could be seeing beyond death, that could be, or right. that could be these foretellings. Is you know the the future, literally the beyond yeah. time. So I'm going with Min on this one. Okay. So, uh, Gawain, Alvienda, Min, three on the boat, and he who is dead yet lives. So, the one who is dead yet lives, I'm, I could put money on that being Matt, I believe. Yes, because of the prophecy of Ruidian, uh, mm-hmm. or the Aelfin saying, uh, in, you have to die to live again in the world as blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Um, the three on the boat? Uh, this one's hard because, like, I feel like we've had three on a boat before. I think we've had, you know, Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve together on a boat. So yes. that's what... Oh, I think it's um, the three people and the three on the boat are one and the same. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what I meant, is uh, the three on the boat, we've had three people on a boat before. Oh, okay, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. When those three girls were traveling. So I, I think I'd say them, although maybe this, I mean... Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd venture to say that everything said in this little prophecy what are already established things. I don't think these are people beyond the sea or anything. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with our three Wonder Girls on that one. All right. The great battle done, 
but the world not done with battle. Yeah, so this shit's interesting to me. So um, this is, I think, because you know me, I, I, I think I've had a hard on for a while now about like the space time continuum that we're going to fuck with Take, in these uh, series. You gotta stop taking that, uh, that little blue pill, Eric. <laughs> I, I had a hard on for a while. I, I can't, before every episode, I just, I pop a Viagra and I. I oh my God. So it's really difficult to walk through <laughs> enclosed spaces. Uh, but so I think like. I don't know, like, it, it's it's one of those things where I'm sure, like, on a reread, it fits in so perfectly and makes so much sense. Oh, yeah. Guessing, I think it's somewhere to do with, like, the final battle's finally done, but we go back in time or something to the breaking of the world. Like, it's, I don't know, I, it, there's something there about, like, the final battle is done, but but the evil hasn't been defeated or something. Uh, the, great, uh, the great battle done, but the world not done with battle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Either that or or um, the final battle, you know, coalescing, but then the world being in turmoil. Something right. like that. Could could be okay. that. Yeah. The land divided by the return and the guardians balance the servants. <sighs> I mean, I got nothing. Uh, the return could be the return of Rand, could be the return of the uh, the the great dark one, possibly. I think Guardians Guardians balancing servants. I got I got nothing. The one thing I'll give you for return, uh, what are the Sha- the Shan Chan? Oh true true true. Their return to the Westlands as the return. True, true, true. Um, well in which case also- the Guardians balance the servants could be the uh, uh, what are they called? The Demani, the Adam. Mm, what what yes. are what are the? Uh, Demani are the are the enslaved and Suldam are the slavers. Yeah, it could could be that dynamic, maybe. Okay, and then the future teeters on the edge of a blade. Yeah, quite literally, probably Rand's blade, but I don't think that's him fighting. Uh, the great dark one. I think, I think that's going to come down to self-sacrifice and him, uh, him taking the blade. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah there's nice. a lot to unpack there. Yes. I'm also looking at somewhat the encyclopedia that answers everything in this. And, uh, <laughs> you are very correct about some things and very incorrect about others. That makes sense. This is definitely one that I've got uh, in my notepad that is on the return return after the series is done and, and get a second look at it. Yes. <laughs> um, but we also get in this chapter um, a sort of new thing for Elaine and Nine because they are kind of of they're kind of freaking out because they think the Saladar sisters are going to go to Elida. Mm-hmm. So they enter Teleran, Riyadh, and go, okay. We need to find something to convince them to stay in Saladar. And they end up in Ebudar, which is Saladar, uh, Ebudar is kind of like south, never eat shredded wheat, uh, southwest. Um, and they come upon a terrain griel that's bowl-shaped and that they believe can control the weather. And I believe where we let leave them is them going, well, uh, a decision not yet made, but they're kind of saying we need a man to channel. So we can't just like send an, uh, 
the we can't just send a note to the Aes Sedai already in Abu Dhar. We have to go ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I want to point out that section because it's a great like Gilligan's cut of like Nynaeve going like y'all are being lazy, you're cowards, you're this, and then Carlyenia go, you have anything else to say? And I just want in the show her to go. And then it just cuts, <laughs> and Erna Lane are scrubbing pots. Thalen comes in, and it's just like, mm, I have to watch you guys, and I don't like Thalen. I, mm, I, I, I don't, as a character, I like how well-written it is. <laughs> yeah, she's just a snob. Just very, very... Um, I, I think I think writing unlikable characters is is hard to not just make them yes. you know flat and she she doesn't she doesn't come across as flat. Yes, um, and so let's get into dreams a little bit. So yeah, um, we got a lot of dreams. Jane has her little. Uh, I believe it's uh, either before or after she has her weird sex dream about Gowan. She dreams. Um, him kneeling while he, she cups his head in her hands. I don't know if that's significant to you or Gwen and Gowan. It's gonna happen. We're we're gonna we're gonna have uh, a Gowan. It's a gonna, Gowan. A Gowan. It's a Gowan. A Gowan. It's gonna happen. Twice, right on top of each other, she dreamed of taking him by the shoulders and trying to turn him to face the other way against his will. Once he brushed her hands away roughly, the other time she was somehow stronger than him, and they kind of blend together. So maybe they're like, no, Gowan, you can't do it. I love you. I love you, Wayne. That's my impression of them. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that's like the path he's on and, and her getting him off of it. Okay. Fingers crossed. I've still, I've still got hope for Gowan. Um. <laughs> In another, he becomes a sw- uh, he became he began swinging a door closed on her, and she knew if that narrowing gap of light vanished, she was dead. Yeah, so this one isn't as optimistic as my last one I talked about because because yeah. I, I think this is a bit of a because uh, he's uh, oh God Gowan and Galad separate the two for me. Galad is the white cloak. Gowan was at the tower during the deposing of Swan. And now he's got his own little group. Has his little younglings. Yeah. yeah. And he's with, um, chilling with the Shido and, um, um, oh God, Galena, Kazba, and yeah. the other red slash black um, I don't know how accurate this uh, comparison is because I did not see Rise of Skywalker, but I feel like we got a little... I, I think we got a little bit of a Kylo Ray situation here. You know, two people on opposite sides who are, are just magnetically attracted to each other in some kind of way. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Can you hear Bowie just getting down on that water right now? Oh, he is slurping the house down Versace boots. <laughs> um, all right. Heron came and stood before her. A wolf flying at his feet, a hawk and falcon perched on his shoulders, glaring at each other over his head. Um, obviously, Fael, Berylane. Mm-hmm. We know Berylane is en route to Kyrian, and I think where we last left off with Heron, he's going to be leaving to join Rand. Mm-hmm. So, And then um, she notes that he kept trying to throw away that axe of his until finally he ran. He 
until he finally ran, the axe floating through the air, chasing him. I think that's just Perrin's eternal struggle of blacksmith or wolf boy. Yeah, uh, that's been going on for a while now, so I am wondering if that's actually going to come to a head one way or another. Yeah. It's 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 got it's got a bit of the Hamlet problem for me. Like, dude, stop talking about it and just do something one way or the other. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Matt speaking strange words she almost understood. The old tongue she recognizes it. With two ravens alighted on his shoulders, claws digging into his flesh. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem really super aware of them, but he seems defiant. And then he grimly accepts his fate. Yeah. Uh, anything with that? I think that's, you know, him kind of sinking back into whatever this uh, other identity is, these, you know, uh, echoes of the past. I think that's kind of what it is. Okay. Especially um, since it's like him speaking the old tongue and all that, you know. Yeah. Our Manethrin boy. connection to his old life. Yeah. Um, a woman face shrouded in shadow beckons Matt towards great danger. Egwene doesn't know what, only that it will be monstrous. You think maybe we're dealing with the Forsaken? It's gotta be. It's either gotta be that or like a dark spawn of some kind that we haven't seen yet. Um, I mean, it's not good. Oh yeah, no, it's not good. <laughs> um, let's see. Elaine forcing Rand to his knees with one hand. So this, I'm wondering if... I'm wondering if this book, so this is one of my big predictions and I'm just going to go for it because I think it's, I think it's more interesting. I think it's more entertaining. I think it's what this podcast is about taking big swings and absolutely whiffing on them. Queen Morghese is going to die in this book. Okay. And Elaine is going to take over as the queen of Andor. Okay. And I think that's uh, her uh, basically getting Rand kind of in line with her instead of the other way around. All right. Interesting. Interesting. We'll throw that in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Elaine, Min, and Avienda sitting in a silent circle around Rand, each in turn reaching out to lay a hand on him. So this one's difficult because these are all the three women that are kind of involved with him in one way or another uh, that was foretold by Min. Um, and I don't know. I think like, I think this isn't like as um, as literal as it is like metaphorical. Like I think, I think Rand is going to start going crazy, and I think he's going to have to start leaning. I mean, you know, like Bloody. cranking it up even more though, like where it's going to get yeah. like nuclear levels. Uh, and I, I don't know. I think this is like those three. I think it's, I think it's these three women also understanding their roles in his life, even if they're not all going to be romantic. Maybe. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. And then the last thing she... Ah! The last last, uh, thing is... Ah! Jesus Christ. Sorry. Shut up! You are the only person I know that actually has their phone on loud. No, I just took it off airplane <laughs> mode real quick. Now I just put it back on. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, Rand is walking towards a burning mountain. Um, the seals to the Dark One's prisoning, prison shattering with every step. Yeah, man. I think uh, Rand is going to start accelerating this uh, this final showdown somehow. Okay. Yeah. Did we talk about... We already saw in early on that he was a... He was this close to breaking a seal. Mm-hmm. So. I think it's actually going to happen. And I think his descent into madness, I think, is going to be 
more apparent than ever in this book. Yeah. Um, did we talk about, um, cause I've got a, I've got a prediction. I don't know if we skipped over it in my notes. Uh, it, there in this set of dreams, there's a certain tinker that Perrin. Yes. No, we didn't get there. I completely blanked on that. Yeah. So let me hear your thoughts. Yo. So, um, there's a certain tinker that took up the sword. Uh, Aram. Yeah. I've got a feeling there's going to be an uprising in the two rivers while Perrin is gone. And I think it's going to be Aram. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be him challenging authority. I think it's, you know, this is the first, uh, what are they called besides tinkers? Like the wandering people. The, uh, the way yeah, of the leaf, the Tuathon. I think it's going to be like one of the first of the Tuathon to like break the mold in that way. Uh, yes. So bad things afoot there. Then that's a that's a prediction bad I've got. Bears. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then let me. So then we didn't. Speaking of Isidai, or kind of jumping to the beginning, mm-hmm. we get a Viren perspective. Yeah. Where we see the aftermath of Viren of Alana bonding. Uh, Rand, of Alana bonding Rand and her reasoning is like the fucking fact that she was like oh Rand, Matt, and Perrin should have been bonded. She almost would have bonded Perrin against his will had Fayil not stepped in. Mm-hmm. Alana. Alana. Girl. No, there's uh, it's starting to warp my perception of the Aes Sedai in that um, you know I always I always knew that they were, um, I don't know how you say it, like they always had their own agenda, but I always thought they were ultimately on the good side. I don't feel that way anymore. I just don't like, I don't think there's good and bad anymore. I think it's just people and the choices they make. And I think that's yeah. kind of what this book is doing a bit more and more. Because I think Alana had good reasoning to do it. I think in her head, it's like, yeah, sure. We want to make sure that the Dragon Reborn is under control. However, there are better ways of going about it. Yeah. Hi, Bowie. <laughs> Give him a hug for me. He Give loves hugs. Oh, you're a big boy. The only thing bigger than his head is his heart. Yes. He's such a good boy. Uh, um, this does bring me to my... But funny enough, we really did go non-linear because this was my first prediction of the bunch of chapters, but uh, it is my last prediction I have on my notepad. Okay. Rand and the male channelers, there is going to be a showdown between them and a select of the Aes Sedai. Mm. I, think okay. it's, I think especially because uh, in this perspective, Varen is very against this uh, notion of getting an army together of men chan- channeling. Yeah, so mm. I think... I think we're going to start splitting the White Tower even more in some way. I don't think it's going to be unified. Yes. And I, I mean, when we get to Rand's POV, Mazram, he kind of tells Mazram Taim, pick up the pace. We don't have seven years. We got to kind of pick it up. So, yeah, who knows what's going to happen, man. Yeah, Daddy Rand calling the shots. Yeah, Dom Rand. <laughs> yeah, we see the, um, the male channelers are getting a little better. Mm-hmm. No, I get a little so, better, but I'm I'm worried because like I've got a feeling. This isn't a prediction, just an observation, kind of a feeling. Um, I think male channelers come in like all forms in a way, you know. Yeah. But I think because of you know everything that's been set before, like you know the like male channeling is just not a natural thing. 
I think they're way more uh, uh, rickety in the head, if if you will. Yes. <laughs> so I've I've just I'm not I just I don't have a good feeling about any of this. <laughs> that no, and it really just isn't good because no. Mazar Taim has not given us any indication as to oh okay we trust him yeah. like he's running that uh, little school he's like. Yeah, I give them cold food and they have to learn to heat it up. Otherwise, they're just eating cold food. I'm like, bud. Mm-hmm. He's training them like soldiers. Yes. Um, and then the last thing I have to say about this bunch, then if you have anything else, by all means, um, Theodrin and Nynaeve. Um So before, you know, I said that, like, um, I kind of assumed that her block is going to be like finished very soon instead of a third act kind of thing happening. Yes. Um, so that's kind of what I had going up to this point. I'm wondering, cause again, no, no more predictions. I've exhausted them all, but Theodron to me is a very interesting character. It's a very interesting character to plop kind of in the middle of a book, kind of, uh, coincidentally, uh, Right, yeah. Because because I think Robert Jordan is a smarter writer than to just, you know, Deus Ex this bitch. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering if we have almost like an echo of the Asmodian Rand relationship, uh, if there's anything there. And I don't know. I'm just I'm in a space of wonderment with what's going to happen, because what I think is going to happen to clean up my earlier statement is I believe her block is going to go away. I think it's going to go away very soon, you know, very, very soon. I thought it was going to happen kind of at the end of this book and just kind of be like a thing to happen in like a grand thing. I I think there's so much more immediacy. Um, I think it's going to get solved. I think she's going to unlock a fair bit of healing in that and how to still and unstill. Um, so I haven't let go of that, and I just want to put that out there because right. I, I don't know. Just there's it's what, what the fuck's going on, man? What's going on exactly. with this theotrim yeah, guy? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> um, I have a little question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think there's some Black Aja in Saladar, and if there are, do you have any guesses as to who they might be? Oh Jesus! I didn't even. Oh fuck! Of course there are. I didn't think about it, but of course there are. I literally, I literally had them like pegged of like, no, they're they're just all grouped up together somewhere doing their own thing. They're they're all yeah. kind of no, of course they're they're infiltrated in, in Saladar. Shit. Okay. Um, there's too many. There's so goddamn many. Maybe like maybe not Nicola herself or Nicola. Nicola. Yeah, it's Nicola. Nicola, not herself, but somebody like attached because I think. The Black Aja kind of operate the same way the Forsaken do, where they don't take necessarily, like, the grabs of power. They're, they're always hiding in the background. Right, yeah. So I think think something like that. But now that you brought that up, yeah, yeah, that of course there are. And I'm going to have to, like, right. start reading forward with that in mind. All right, you're going to keep an eye out for Selena. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> so I'm pretty good on these set of chapters. I'm, I'm good. Um, the, the only literally, literally the only last note I have is Brigitte kicks ass. Uh, oh, yeah. love, love her love whenever she pops up. Uh, I love, yeah. I love the idea of, you know, Brigitte and Uno and that bunch all being together. 
I think that's going to be very fun. Uh, but that's that's all I really have. Uh, you know, three big predictions. Otherwise, I think this book is getting way messier. And I think, like, especially in this group of chapters, the power kegs have been set. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, if we're all good here, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. We want to thank you all for coming out and tuning into this uh, latest episode. If you're listening to our clean and pretty polished version, come join us on our Discord. We're going to be revamping that soon. And come join us next week. We have, uh, we, uh, next week we're taking a bit of the. You got this. I, I know you got this. Next week we're taking a little bit of a break from Lord of Chaos and we are diving into other fantasies. Uh, we are doing two episodes next week. One is centered on Elden Ring, and we are going to be discussing Stormfront by Jim Butcher. Lord of the Ring, the Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. So that is going to be a very, very fun episode, but we will be back with Wheel of Time after that. So, Eric, in the meantime, where can they find yeah all right i've been practicing all day for this one you can find us on twitter at loyal underscore s and you can find us on instagram at loyal's book club awesome and if you want to catch up in the meantime before we get back into lord of chaos we are available on apple podcasts spotify anchor wherever you get your podcasts really may you always walk in the light and may you always find water and shade we'll see you next week